Welcome to Talk and Talk, podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with a full crew. It's how it, we do it. It's it's not just me. It's TJ. Hey. And Chris. Hello. And David. Yeah. June. It's been a while. It's gotta be June. Yeah, I think the last homework we talked about was. I don't know if you guys. No, you guys haven't talked about homework. So that would have been the last time all four of us were here. Yeah, I don't even remember what the homework was when Synecdoche, New York got assigned. <laughs> and yet, we still pushed back Synecdoche, New York when we <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's great to have all four of us in the room together again. Um, what are we doing today, David? David planned some, some activities for us. Yeah, we're going to do a top five. Oh, I thought we were going to color. <laughs> color. We can color when it's not your turn. Free what? play. When it's not my turn, so y'all get to color? Yeah. yeah. I think we get to partake in the color. Let yeah. the boy wash. <laughs> think about what you did. Now, in honor of the, uh, it was going to be upcoming movie, now it's a previously released movie, uh, Ready or Not. Uh, featuring a lot of uh, a lot of murder games in a horror movie, um, wanted to talk about on-screen deaths because the previews for that movie you see bow and arrow, you see all kinds of uh, stuff. Our um, it makes me uh, this topic makes me think of our uh, our mom who has a, a sadistic interest in creative and interesting deaths. Yeah. If a movie's not good, she'll say, well, it had good deaths in it. Yeah. <laughs> that, saved, that can save it. Yeah. yeah. If it's something she hasn't seen before, she's she's all into it. So the uh, the mom memorial... Oh, not memorial. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Cammy? Oh, no. Um, so we added two stipulations to this just to make it more... Um, maybe more related to plot is that it has to be happen on screen. The death happens on screen, so you actually see it instead of it being alluded to. And uh, so, that, uh, an example of that we came up with in the pre-show things was uh, Elsie, maybe, and Up mm-hmm. is like a super notable death that appeared that happens off screen. Ellie, Ellie, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, the other stipulation is that it has to be a named character. It just can't be like a random henchman that gets thrown into a volcano that doesn't have a name, backstory, and family. <laughs> you got to so, be. Uh, at least know something about that character. Were we supposed to be picking like based on the quality of the manner of death, or just, just favorite deaths? Favorite deaths. Yeah, it can be. It's you know, for me, it's going to be a combination of those. It's like oh, yeah, how it's it happened, who it happened to, and you know what it, ah, what it okay. meant in the story. Mine are more narrative choices than like yeah. Like I like uh, I like having all different kinds yeah. in this kind of thing. Okay. Sweet. Cool. I thought you were doing this in honor of me coming back after almost dying. <laughs> I was like, macabre, but okay. That's my new weird flex, but okay reference. <laughs> macabre, but okay. Yeah. We were, yeah, determined to get it on screen. <laughs> Possible. All right. Uh, do we have, uh, does everybody have some? Or Yeah, I think everybody's got, yep. got a, a list where we're working on, on five apiece. Yep. There's no real countdown for mine. They're kind of five different. Types of on-screen yeah. deaths. Sure. Also, we didn't talk about because David was late to the pre-show meeting <laughs> in the conference room, but uh, we did open up this to TV and video games as well. Sure. It's weird the media bias and not the movies bias. But we do have that, so go check out. But all mine are going to be movies. Yeah. <laughs> and special thanks to Burifa because TV and video games are far inferior. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, where do you want to start, David? You're running the show. Sure, I can go first. Mine's a little, uh, mine number five, mine aren't super ranked or right. anything, but this isn't very um, intense or macabre or gruesome, but I'm picking the death of, uh, the first death of Ernesto de la Cruz and Coco. <laughs> I just, uh, it's, uh, I just think it's really interesting. Um, if you guys remember, Ernesto de la Cruz is the famous uh, kind of troubadour guy who got famous by singing all these songs that he didn't really write, I guess, spoiler alert, but uh, his death is preceded by, you see a bunch of vinyl records of him, this is kind of his introduction as a character, that he's this he's this kind of legend in uh, Mexican uh, music, um, there's this giant, like, seven, lever, seven levels of dancers that are singing to, like, the, uh, the huge, like, kind of pop version of Remember Me. Yeah. Um, with all the <clears throat> instrumentation and the dancers are twirling their dresses and everything, and he's got this little elevator going up to the very top, and uh, at the very um, the very end of the song when he hits the high note in "Remember Me," um, a bell falls down and kills him <laughs> in, a, in a Pixar movie. You see it happen, and what I like about that is um, is a lot of the foreshadowing the movie does about his eventual um, kind of second death in the. Uh, in the realm of the dead, mm. is that he also gets killed, I believe, by a uh, by a bell at the top of kind of like a pyramid. Mm. Um, I just thought it was interesting. It's a good introduction to the character. Is his like death right off the bat, and kind of sets the scene and gives you the first uh, your first taste of like seven of the song "Remember Me" and its various uh, incarnations. I kind of zagged on uh, on this one a little more um, brightly colored. Gruesome death. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was there was no uh, uh, preconceptions that I had that this thing that you assigned that you would strictly follow it. <laughs> that has never been your path. <laughs> We've made lists or drafts. <laughs> uh, there was a standing rule on, a, on the last episode uh, with me, David, and Al. We laid out all the rules to our countdown and then it said, and as always, these rules will never be talked about again. <laughs> never be talked about again and will be loosely followed. Yes. But at least the top two rules are followed. You do see him die and he is named. Yeah. <laughs> so, suck it. <laughs> Chris. Cool. Um, so I uh, uh, zagged and David zigged and I went with a TV show uh, for my number five and I kind of did a scattershot approach to kind of Different media and then different styles of deaths. Um, you know, I think that that death on screen can serve a bunch of different purposes. And this one was pure catharsis. And I wanted to have at least one on here. Um, and it's from a television show, uh, big cultural touchstone. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not the one you're thinking of uh, because there's no catharsis in Ned Stark dying. Um, but I think that my favorite part of even what people would consider the weakest block of Game of Thrones the best part of it was Littlefinger being killed. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> there's there's so much comeuppance that he is due, and there's so much conniving between two characters who are just like wild fan favorites, um, kind of unexpected uh, success stories out of Sansa and Arya, um, kind of agnostic to the final season. Um, just the way that he tries to plot them against each other, uh, and then you kind of get the... Uh, Almost like Ocean's Eleven style reveal that like, but secretly they've been working together to fool Littlefinger. Mm -hmm. And they get him to admit in open court that he's fucked them both over. 
and they have hold like an immediate public execution in front of all the lords of the north who like all are just like oh with all this evidence in front of us like we will turn against you as well um and i just thought it was really uh amazing uh to borrow a phrase from david grace note uh for uh the series to kill off such a conniving character in such a conniving way uh and i really liked it so i'm gonna say the death of littlefinger in season seven as my one of my favorite deaths. Probably. Yeah, it's a really good one for Game of Thrones. I really enjoyed that episode, even though that was I felt like kind of the start of the backlash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I thought it was really good. I thought they uh, the turn to where you were, I was anyway, convinced that the sisters were at each other's throats, kind of. You know, what yeah, I mean? that he was going to get mm-hmm. one over on them um, because I do think that it is a little little uh, behind the curtain the way that it reveals kind of basically at the. Uh, impromptu trial that they have been working together and have been sharing information and are both on the same page that uh, that Baelish is a fuckstick trying to uh, get them to uh, splinter and like ally with the veil over the north right. and seed control. Um, but I think that, that the execution of the execution is really well done. Yeah. Baelish. Um... Uh... Yeah, I kind of did the same thing as I think all of us did, which was kind of five types of deaths, and I just kind of picked some of my, for one of my favorites from five made-up categories. Um, this one is from one of my favorite comedies, and I think one of the best comedies of all time, uh, Doctor Strangelove, and it's uh, Major King Kong, <laughs> Slim Pickens' character, riding the atomic bomb to imminent death, and... Uh, I don't know, it kind of, the whole movie is funny because it's like, it's building you up for this, like, these are the people who are in charge <laughs> of humanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get, like, like crazy Brigadier General who, you know, is kind of the, the bad guy for the whole thing. But then you, like, you realize, like, the guy in charge of the actual bomb is this guy. <laughs> and he's fucking insane and dumb. And so excited to be riding, I mean, I remember as a kid just laughing my ass off at him riding the nuclear bomb to the ground with his hat in hand like he was riding a Bronco. Just in pure delight. He was just so damn happy that mm. it was... I had some a bunch of funny deaths on that I'd come up with four or five that I like a lot, but I kept going back to it. Um, so that's... He also shares my name. His name is Major TJ Kong. Nice. <laughs> so they call him King Kong. Yeah. A lot of... Uh, some pretty overt symbolism there, too. Cowboy yeah. archetype riding the, the nuclear yeah. bomb into nuclear war. That's, yeah. that's weird. All of, all of my other deaths are all your name, too. I don't know what that <laughs> says about me. <laughs> you love me. It's that yeah. famous episode of T.J. Hooker. <laughs> the last <laughs> episode. <laughs> now mid-season. The finale of T.J. Hooker. <laughs> Man, this season of The Challenge got weird. T.J. Lavin. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, my first pick is going to be just... Uh, I-, I wanted a, a surprise death. I wanted one that just was not expected in any way. And I'm going to a video game for this. Um, one of my favorite video games of all time. You get to the end uh, of Red Dead Redemption. And uh, there's kind of a last assault on your uh, farm by the villains of the game. And you spend a lot of time thinking, like, okay, you, you fight your way through. Like, one at one point you're out on the porch, you're shooting guys and you're taking them down and then you have, you you flee to another area and then you move to another area and then finally you wind up in the barn and you're just like 
how's this going to, how am I going to get out of this? Like, this is going to be really hard is what you're thinking. And then you step outside and you, it slowly dawns on you that uh, you're not going to get out of this. There is no winnable option on this level. And the character you've become so attached to, John Marston, is, uh, has met his end. Because there's like a hundred uh, hired hands out there with guns aimed at you. And you get to take out a few of them before you are put down. But uh, it's a very kind of shocking death because it's the main character of the game. And then... Really plays with video game convention there because you're anytime you're given control, you, sh- you kind of feel invulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you wind up playing as his son to finish out the game, which yeah. is a, a nice little twist. It's a it's a great wrinkle in the game, but uh, it was definitely a shock at that time. I will always remember that feeling of sitting there just be like, oh no, yeah, like yeah. Yeah, the unwinnable the unwinnable battle has been kind of a trope in I know like JRPGs have done it for a long time, but typically there's not like consequence. It's just something to drive the plot forward. But with this, it's like no, this is the end of his story. Yeah, you spend the last battle defending your family, which has been his whole like mo the entire game. And it's uh, you know to to put it in the cowboy game too is just perfect. Right, uh, I love that. So that's my number five. Uh, let's start with Chris for number four. Okay. I wasn't prepared for that. I don't yeah. know why. I'd, change a, I'd switch around. I'd switch a roof. Um, host. to also, uh, kind of, uh, butt convention, I'm picking a movie. <laughs> butt convention? Yeah. To go to the butt convention. Sweet. Uh, I'm picking a movie, uh, a movie that not a lot of people loved, but kind of just a death that impacted me personally a lot. Um, I had just gotten my first, like, my dog. Um, not like a family dog, not anything. But I had just gotten my dog, and this movie came to theaters, and I went with my girlfriend at the time, um, and was like, hey, let's go watch this, uh, cool horror movie with Will Smith in it. It'll be fun. Um. After Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Suicide Squad. And there's a scene in it that... Like, I still will refuse to watch to this day, and it is the death of Samantha, who is Will Smith's uh, character, Robert Neville, his companion for the entire movie, uh, when Sam is bitten by the daywalkers, whatever the fuck they are, uh, and is basically slowly turning in his lab as the dog dies in his arms, and he is just very sweetly singing Marley's Three Little Birds. It's just like, it fucking crushes me. Will Smith's so good in that scene. We should chills. say the name of the movie, despite our jokes, of the wrong names. <laughs> oh, it's I Am Legend. Yes. And it's a dog. <laughs> we don't think we ever and actually it's said that. it's a dog. Right. Uh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's just, I think that if you, like, I mean, you can't get rid of the movie proceeding because it is so important to build the relationship between the two. But, like, if you took the quality of the movie out completely, and it's not a bad movie, it's just not a great movie, but that scene, I think, is just great. Um, from the writing and just, like, the tight zoom on just, like, the dog in his lap. And, like, his his just, like, br- like acceptance and breakdown is just so well done um, that it will just stick with me forever. Um, it's it's my old yeller, right? Like, our the generation before us has old yeller, and mm-hmm. that's their, like, big, compassionate <clears throat> dog death. 
But for me, it's I Am Legend. Will um, Smith has always done such a good job with that, like, uh, the first stage of crying. You know what I mean? Like, the tears coming out, and he's like, his face is real tense. The mouth acting? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and being able to get the tears to come out, but not, like, fall. It's just like his eyes get real watery. Yeah. It's so good in that scene. But, uh, yeah, so I'm really hoping for something similar in Gemini Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's just holding, sorry. He's just he's just holding his clone. <laughs> but jo- yeah, joking aside, that scene really fucked me up. Like for like a day, I was just like, just like all of a sudden, it dawned on me that like, oh, this dog that I'm now best friends with and have spent so much time with will one day die, and I will be fucking devastated. And that's where I was, and I still live with that now. <laughs> what if in Gemini Man? He's holding his clone, and his clone is holding another clone, <laughs> and that clone is holding another clone, and, and they're all they're all crying. It's clones all the way down, and then it turns out the movie's actually multiplicity. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's the last one, the last one loves pizza. The last one's holding a, a pizza. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> I'm trying to stuff pizza in his wallet. Is one of the most like I've never identified with a character more. <laughs> it's like, I got you, buddy. David's like, strangely enough, my next pick is the dumb clone from Multiplicity. <laughs> it's too devastating. DJ, to uh, what's your number four? Uh, mine also involving a Will Smith movie, but uh, is one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. Have you all seen Seven Pounds? Yes. Um, so the, the premise of the movie is weird because you don't really know what is driving him to go interview all these people through most of it. Um, you do see he has a uh, jellyfish in his apartment that he's keeping in a tank. And uh, kind of at the end when you put everything together in the film that he is trying to commit suicide, but he wants to leave his donatable organs to a select amount of people that he has deemed worthy. Um, when he decides to do that, he fills up his bathtub with ice water and puts the jellyfish in and gets in with it, which is a death that won't cause harm to any of his organs that he's donating, but is, like, the most painful death you can think of. Um, And you see it all play out so slow and sad, and they show you the entire thing of him in the bathtub writhing in, like, just the worst pain you can imagine in a tub of ice water. It's just, like, it's a combination of him torturing himself uh, because his his wife died in a car wreck, essentially, because he was texting while driving. And uh, so it's this weird combo of him torturing himself and sacrificing himself and trying to do good at the same time. And it's just fucking awful. And you follow that up with a scene where you see Woody Harrelson is a blind piano player who gets his eyes. Okay. And uh, the very next scene, you see him uh, with Will Smith's eyes, like, digitally put in. And it is just... After that, after watching this guy ride in pain for so long in the bathtub, and seeing that, it's just the saddest fucking thing. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Does Woody Harrelson then get better at the early stages of crying? Because he nah. now has Will Smith's eyes. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know, actually. Maybe. He walks around waiting for the sequel. Constantly. <laughs> yeah. 14 pounds? I just guess it wouldn't go to 8. It goes straight to 14. Double. Double it. He does say, I make this look good, and takes off his glasses. Yeah, that's true. Which is confusing. That would be a very on-the-nose quote. Yeah, what if every recipient just quoted a different Will Smith movie from the past? That would be great. 
Rosario Dawson goes, Wiki Wow, Wiki Wow. <laughs> some kid gets some organ and he's just like, Parents just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that movie's sad. <laughs> yeah. It's a short film, it's about three minutes long. Uh, I'll go next. I'm picking a villain death here for number four. A very satisfying death for a villain. And uh, I think it's just the way this villain kind of almost wins in the movie. And then you just kind of think they're going to get away with it. And then the way they meet their end is just so uh, quick and matter of fact. And it's so satisfying. And that's Colin Sullivan from The Departed. Matt Damon's character yeah. from The Departed, oh, yeah. which is just, you know, uh, they've already uh, taken out Billy Costigan. <laughs> a lot of a lot of bells and whistles here, <laughs> except just bells. Um, the bells! <laughs> yeah, so, uh, there's that... <laughs> the dog is just jingling. Uh, so, uh... Yeah, he's he's already uh, they've already killed Leonardo DiCaprio's character in the movie, and they they've they've seem he's seemingly gotten away with it, and then uh, he opens his door, and there's uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg there with. Uh, I love the look of him with like the surgical booties and yeah. mask and stuff to like not leave any footprints or like DNA. And there's no confrontation. There's no discussion. He just raises his gun and shoots him dead. Yeah. Oh. See, that movie's got a lot yeah. of good deaths. Yeah. I, I love, I, but I do love, you do get one scene, you, one look from Damon where he just basically kind of like shrugs and then relaxes his shoulders as he knows what's happening. Yeah. And then right before he shoots, he like starts to like jerk. Yeah. yeah. I was watching in, in prep for this, I was watching some Departed clips and uh, Costigan's death is really good too. So I forgot the last line said before he dies is Matt Damon saying, just kill me. Matt Damon's like, just kill me in the elevator. Like, as soon as he says that, Costigan's brain's getting blown out in the back of the elevator. It's really good. It's a good pick. That's, I'd probably pick Matt Damon as well from that movie. Yeah, yeah. very satisfying. Yes. In the little finger frame. Yeah. David, you're number four. Number four. <laughs> David, we're skipping you in an odd turn of events <laughs> going back at me. Uh, it could be higher, but uh, I think it's a, it's a good one of... It's a villain killing someone... And really revealing a lot about themselves or kind of a finale. And after this, they're finished. I'm going to do Daniel Plainview killing Eli Sunday in There Will Be Blood. Very close to being in my five. That's great It's kind of the the symbol of his final disconnection from all of humanity. It's like, he's trying to tell this person, like, it does not matter if you're trying to sell your farm to me. I have everything, you know. He does the the straws and all of his wells drink it up, and he's just not getting it. And like, rather than try to connect or like give up, his like his ignorance is something where it's just like this guy's just not even worth life, and just kills him. Like it doesn't doesn't even matter when he's done. He just says, "I'm finished." Yeah, uh, I rewatched that scene this morning too. It's so fucking great, and just like tour de force by both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was looking at you with a concern, like, like, did you have an okay morning? You're talking about all these death scenes you rewatched. Yeah, I was watching. I watched most of them. I watched a lot of them with casts, so it worked out. Okay. <laughs> morning coffee, faces of death. <laughs> uh, faces of death. I forgot that existed. But I know we we've talked about there will be blood quite a bit on the show, but I think that's a that's that's a really great death, kind of in a different vein from. Um, some of the other deaths. It's fun too because it doesn't fit into one of these like like I have five pretty specific categories and it doesn't mm-hmm. really fit nicely into any of those. 
Because um, I, you know, Paul Dano's character isn't a hero or a mm-hmm. villain, or it's yeah. just he's kind of just a casualty. Yeah, like in, in the truest sense, like it's just like in the path of this like unstoppable monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's great. It's definitely. It's, I think it's probably one of the podcasts. Favorite the, films. The yeah. fact that it's with a bowling pin too. Yeah, <laughs> it's so brutal. It's just, yeah, it's a great choice of weapon that had, as far as I know, not been used in a notable way in a movie before. It's really he could be like a giant cockroach. He's just trying to end this thing that's irritating him. Yeah, <laughs> it's just what's so affecting about it. The whole scene gets overshadowed sometimes too by the writing. Mm-hmm. I think, which is excellent. Um, but um, when watching it, I was like, man, the whole thing's just like. The milkshake line doesn't like make it great. And it was and, great before, you know what I mean? And that it's all shot from the foul line. So it's like you've got this really long bowling alley and it's happening kind of in like the left third, just kind of like off to the side. Mm-hmm. Just like I don't know. It's 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 it feels very much like he's got him trapped in a dungeon. Yeah. But he just doesn't know it's a dungeon. Right. Because it's like his it's underneath his house, it's down in the basement. Yeah. Yeah, PTA is pretty good. Yeah, he's quite good. We should tell someone. Um, Get the word out. Somebody listen. (laughs) TJ. Yeah. What's your third third choice? Wait, what are we doing? (laughs) TJ, go again. Number three. Favorite musicals? Uh, This is a villain death. Uh, The only one I have on here. And it's from a uh, Coen Brothers movie that I think is, is underrated in their catalog. But it is the death of the biker of the apocalypse in Raising Arizona. It's uh, his. He does have a name before anybody says anything. It's Leonard Smalls. He's the bounty hunter who is initially hired to go get the baby after it's kidnapped. Um, the guy doesn't hire him um, because he thinks he's probably the one who kidnapped her. And then this guy decides to just steal the go get the baby anyway to sell it on the black market. Um, it's a super satisfying death of Nicolas Cage, who's kind of a, a bumbling character the whole time, and this guy who's like an instrument of death and very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those killed by his own like arrogance and weapon and everything. Uh, if you don't remember, Nicolas Cage essentially pulls a pin on a grenade that's like on his gear, uh, and he explodes. And it's just super satisfying, because they make out this guy to be like, comically at times, but like the worst fucking human on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so efficient. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and never shows any emotion. That kind of villain, uh, and then really up until the end. I mean, you kind of get a stare before he explodes into bits. But I just remember seeing that movie for the first time and thinking that was clever—a clever way to go. The uh, Coen Brothers have a lot of good deaths. Yeah, in their movies they, on screen and off screen. Yeah, they, they really do a good job. Uh, at choosing which deaths to kind of trivialize. Like, I'm thinking about, like, the wood chipper in Fargo. Like, that is, like, a very gruesome way to kill someone, but also it's so, like, comedic, the effect of this, like, grisly murder. And they just just have a lightness with which they touch such dark subjects that I think is kind of their main strength in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, I I would... Yeah, they're, like, the masters of the the darkest of dark comedies. Mm. Nearly nihilistic... Approach to life and death. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean the freaking cow killer mm. from yeah. No Country is just an ingenious weapon to give that dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes us 
horror element go from like 10 to 11. Anytime you see an old person with an oxygen tank, you're like, I'm a little wary of you. I see that oxygen tank, let me see what it's connected to. Yeah, was, even though nobody dies, I watched this morning. Again, I watched the scene of uh, him in the gas station with the attendant, and it's just so fucking good. My favorite death from that movie is probably Woody Harrelson's uh, in in No Country. Yeah, he's just sitting there with a the gun pointed at him, and he's just like he's like tired of listening to him at a certain point. Yeah, the phone rings, and he's like, that, "No, don't get that phone." Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'll go next. It's a uh, number <laughs> that number quote. Three. Don't get that phone. <laughs> yeah, it's up Classic there with Coen Brothers. It's up there with milkshake for greatest quotes of all time. Is uh, your milkshake is real tasty? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't hey, don't get that phone. Uh, no phone. Who does? I wanted to make a. I wanted to choose a, a scene of a death of self sacrifice uh, on my list. So I'm going with one that was uh, particularly touching, and it was uh, I'm going with Bing Bong's death from Inside Out, which is uh, oh fuck, just gut wrenching. Yeah, I forgot about that. Because, such a good pick because it is not just his death. It's the the memory of him is gone. It's the true death. <clears throat> being forgotten. Yeah. And being bong forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Classic Pixar Ray. Richard, what's his name? Richard Kind? Yeah. yeah. Is the voice of Bing Bong. Fantastic in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you just get so attached to Bing Bong in such a short time. And it's just when he when he jumps off the back of the, the cart so that she can make it to the, make it out of the, whatever, the pit of memory loss or whatever yeah lost memories and then uh it's the rocket ship to the moon the little wagon mm-hmm. gosh yeah I think do y'all feel like Inside Out gets lost a little bit in like the Toy Stories and Ups of Pixar sometimes I, I feel do. like it should be more talked about as maybe the best ever it's my favorite yeah it's so good there's I mean there's there's that thing that Pixar does with emotion that I think that them stripping bare all of the like pretenses of like character writing and just saying like here's our character it is joy and then the whole point of the movie is like emotions more complex than distilling it into these five things is just so fucking clever that any other Pixar movie like like rever- like retcon cribs from it in a way that I think is just something like, they're their point that they excel at over every other animated movie, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe why it gets lost, because I'm, you know, I agree, it's one of my favorite Pixar movies. Um, but I think maybe the reason it gets lost is because it's, it maybe doesn't have anybody's favorite main character as far as like how instantly magnetic they are. Like, Joy is kind of irritating. Joy is, uh, not really interestingly drawn. Yeah, very intentionally simple. simplistic, so that they can right. be a template for all the other head. Right, right. and so scenes. like when you compare the how much people love the old man from Up, right. for example, he is just instantly interesting just looking at him. Mm-hmm. And Woody and Buzz are, you know, you 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 understand those characters without having to know anything else really about them. Kind of. That's a good point. I think it's also the movie that's least for kids. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. that's my thing. Is is, that I think the message, especially, is for adults. And I think which it's for, is for teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sadness is important. Right. It's okay to be necessary to be sad. And like you know, Pixar was 
not they didn't catch a lot of flack, but it was kind of a a a change in direction for them who had you know previously animated inanimate like subjects like toys or cars or dinosaurs or whatever and then now it's like oh no this movie's about human fucking people and they're we're going to personify their emotions which is kind of you know a different tack but the main character being like a high school aged girl in San Francisco like dealing basically with like puberty and aging and like her parents and that's like kind of a strange move from Pixar that I think is incredible in Inside Out, but yeah. If they ever make an Inside Out sequel, it should be the quest to resurrect Big Bone, <laughs> to to remind uh, whatever the girl's name is of her once imaginary friend. She called Outside In. <laughs> it should be called Inside she... Out Two. Bing Bong Swan Song, sung too soon. <laughs> Choice was wrong. <laughs> the, the title too. Bing Bong comes along. <laughs> God. <laughs> See, they had to pitch me like, I think we got to pair this title down, Brent. <laughs> um, all right, that's mine. Go, David. What's your number three? Doesn't Chris have to do three? He's going to do three. I'm going to do three after you do your third. Oh, yeah, that's right. We keep the same order. I'll just change who starts first. <laughs> All right, my third starts one. First. Now I'm going to go to my first uh, true horror movie. I guess you can consider There Will Be Blood a horror movie. Um, this is a death that I think about a lot. About It gives me an irrational fear of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> As, this thing will like, never happen, but it just looks so gruesome and painful that I think about any time... I see a garage door with a doggy door. So I'm thinking <laughs> my number three is in Scream. And there's some iconic stuff in there, but specifically Rose McGowan's Tatum Riley in the garage. So good. Yeah, she fights with the guy, has some banter with the guy, um, and eventually like throws bottles at him. They kind of scuffle. She's, he's got a knife, and he's, she's trying to get out. She flings herself through the doggy door but gets stuck. And he raises the garage door, and it basically, like, it doesn't cut her in two because she's still stuck there. And I don't think a garage door physically would really <laughs> no, no. keep going or, like, kill her like that. No. It would probably stop working and, and break before then. But that's the kind of, like, death. That in like, a, a elevator kind of thing, like, elevator closed. Any, like, floor this goes down. is yeah. bad. Yeah, any, yeah. like, shearing of a body <laughs> like that. Not with a these fan. blunt forces. Uh, just have like an irrational fear of like fitting through a doggy door. Yeah. I'm well past that stage now, <laughs> but I, I will not put my head through a doggy door. This one's a little sillier, but uh, I thought it was a pretty good, pretty good death in that movie. When you get a lot of mm. lot of slashing, stabbing stuff, this is a, a little bit different. And it also sounds like the first one on any of our lists to fit the prompt exactly. <laughs> As being inspired by a horror movie, being a horror movie death, and being kind of a neat one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, Chris. So I guess I've got an entry in that, too. Number three. Um, so you guys might buck up against me about named character, but I think go fuck yourselves because it's like, you know, the titular character dies. Um, but I'm talking about the scene... Uh, uh, get away from her, you bitch. Um, in Aliens, it's Ellen Ripley in the power loader throwing the uh, the mother alien out. So, character's not named, 
but I feel like the franchise's name. Xenomorph has, One. <laughs> yeah. Or four. I think, I think her Wait, official name they call is. Her the Queen or something? Yeah, it's Queen. Not, not Queen Mother. Because Googling that, it was just a bunch of Elizabeth II, but the Mother Queen. The real Phyllis. Her name's not you, you bitch. <laughs> but that's just such an awesome moment for me. The, you know, we spend all of Alien being terrified of the Xenomorphs, kind of this unknown horror that becomes more and more realized as it starts picking away the crew of the Nostromo. And then Aliens is kind of like a, taking the fight to them and saving this girl, Newt. And there's some, like, you know, some, some silly writing throughout. But then in the final confrontation, right, is Ripley's trying to escape with Bishop and Newt. Uh, just that, like, again, just another, like, comeuppance. The, there's, she has the moment earlier than that in the, uh, she finds all the eggs. And she's escaping with Newt, uh, gets the flamethrower uh, out, at, out at, like, the dock, and then decides to go back in and burn all the eggs. Yeah. Which starts the final confrontation with the Xenomorph. Right. Um, and I just think it's such an awesome, like, kind of like a mother versus mother moment mm-hmm. of the alien versus Ripley. The movie's very much about motherhood. Yeah. Um, and I just think that rules. Um, that, yeah, the, that's, like, <laughs> that's like the, the, the ending, like, act three is all just mother versus, versus mother, like, kind of cool fight. Um, and it, it is the, my kid is in danger, I can lift a car. Yeah. <laughs> equivalent in space against aliens. Yeah. <laughs> and she literally gets into a suit which augments her physical abilities and throws it out of the fucking, like, into space. Uh, it's just neat. And I know that, that it may not technically be a death because there are more aliens, but I'm picking it and you guys can't make me pick another one. So, that's my number three. We've talked about the rules too much. And then, and then, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's really off that's brand such for us. A, That's such a great moment. That's a great ending to that movie. And then uh, Alien 3, Newt dies in the first 30 seconds of the movie. And it's on her way. It's like, it happens right after Aliens ends. And I'm like, well, that's why Alien 3 is dog shit. Well, this, it's like Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Is, you know, just, Paul Blart, just like that. Paul Blart Mall Cop, the whole movie spent trying to woo this woman. And then in the first like two minutes of Paul Blart Mall Cop 2... The wife is murdered, so. I like Austin Powers also. <laughs> there you go. The Holy Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens, Paul Martin, Mall Cop. You're going to make any Cajun recipe, you're going to have those three ingredients. <laughs> you ever see those, uh, those, like, DVD combos at Walmart that have, the movies have, like, nothing to do with each other? Yeah. I feel like that's what this would be. It's just like the, well, you know, this collection. They have some bullshit name for it. It's just like, hey, you get aliens, Paul Blart, Mall Mall Blart, Blart. two, and all Austin Powers movies in one collection for seven ninety nine. I still remember the conversation of Brit about deciding what we would do if at trivia somebody asked what the name of the mall was in Paul Blart. And I was like, well, my only guess would be Paul Blart in hopes that that's not Kevin James' name, but the name of the mall. He's the cop. Paul Blart Mall cop. He's the cop. Yeah, he's the cop in the Paul Blart Mall. He's the Paul Blart Mall. I would have to guess that. Uh, All right, so we're down to our number twos, right? Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you the name of the mall. I've only seen Paul Blart Mall Cop (laughs) 2. I'll go first here. Um... I went with a comic death for uh, my number two choice. Uh, this was the first thing that came to mind when uh, y'all told me the cat or the uh, the discussion. And this is uh, this is the death of Hammer, played by Isaac Hayes in "I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker." <laughs> when uh, the group is getting ready to go take on the big bad at the end, um, he just uh, he makes the comment like, "You can never have enough guns," and he puts he straps on like eight different 
handguns. Mm. And then uh, as he is walking out, they're walking out to get in the the bus or the car or whatever. He's uh, he slips on a casing shell and falls, and all his guns go off and shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> and he dies on the sidewalk in a very comical manner. It's really funny. It, nice. I thought it was hilarious when I was a kid. I still think it's hilarious to this day. <laughs> And a parable for gun control. It is just, <laughs> it is just <laughs> mocking all those you know '80s action movies where they just strap guns here, here, all these different right. places. Yeah. Um, simple death, but an effective one. Nice. Very fun. Fun. David, number two. Number two is also from a horror movie for me. I don't know how to categorize this other than this kicked off a franchise of movie deaths, and maybe we'll have another one from this series. Uh, it's Final Destination series. Fun. I think thinking of movie deaths, I had to have at least one from here. And the one I kept uh, thinking of uh, is the first one I saw it in theaters. It's the first death uh, in total that kind of shows you the formula of, like, you know, death is like a wind, like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, will, like, go do something, like, to start claiming the soul it didn't get. Um, the character is Todd Wagner, and he's like, uh, there's dripping water in the bathroom, just to, if you guys don't remember, dripping water, and there's a lot of feints about how it's going to happen, because he's got like a, a razor up to his throat, and you see the water like almost near his foot, like is he going to slash his throat, and like he, he cuts his neck, but just like, you know, just shaving, and he like blots it, and the, the scene ends, and then it comes back, he's in the bathroom, and he eventually does... Uh, he does uh, slip on the water from the toilet tank while he's doing laundry. He's got that little line where you hang clothes up in the uh, like the bathtub shower combo. Yeah. Another one that like I'm irrationally afraid of those kind of things. <laughs> he slips and the thing goes like he like catches his weight on the line and it starts to go like a tetherball. <laughs> <laughs> like you're too tall playing tetherball and you just like hit it all the way around it goes all the way around his neck and it hangs him just high enough so he does that you know always horrifying like his feet are you know so close kind of yeah his yeah. feet are kind of slipping along the um, bottom of the tub he has knocked over shampoo so it makes it all slick um, it's kind of on the edge like sometimes it got funny sometimes it was like sad those deaths this kind of toes the line you know, pretty good because like that's kind of like crazy and all this stuff and what a what a situation. But when you see him like struggling, um, he also you his all his blood vessels in his eyes pop. So it's like oh that's creepy. And yeah. then his dad is drunk. He like right outside the bathroom. Part of the like tragic irony of a lot of these deaths in these movies. And he's trying to reach for. Uh, he was also like trimming his nose hairs with scissors. Another like, oh, was he gonna, you know, poke his brains out? No, but it was just out of reach, and like he eventually uh, dies, being hung by that thing that always scares me now. <laughs> nice. I yeah the the Rube Goldberg esque uh, death scenes in Final Destination are always like, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like hardly good, but like always like, all right, that's interesting. You had me on that one. I always think about the uh, the third Final Destination. Uh, the this is not mine. I just like talking about these because they're just so goofy. Yeah. Um, the uh, like the 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 state fair where a basically like a fence with chicken wire like oh, yeah. goes straight through someone gets catapulted. Yeah. And it's like that scene was exactly parroted in a movie that was obviously inspired Ghost Ship. Where, like, we talked the, about that. The first yeah. scene is them dancing on the deck, and then like all of like the strung up fairy lights just cut through everyone, and then the music stops, 
and everyone just slowly slides apart in different ways. Yeah, that's <laughs> the two lists we've done. We still can't use Ghost Ship. <laughs> no. It doesn't fit. We have, we talked about it on paranormal deaths or paranormal, paranormal scenes. scenes yeah. Yeah. But there's no paranormal scenes in that first Ghost Ship. Nope. Scene. And those people aren't named. And so they aren't named. I've it's never a great, s- great shot. I've there. never seen a Final Destination movie. Uh, I, think, uh, I think my most memorable death, again, not mine, but if we're just because we're talking about Final Destination Goofy Deaths, it, it created a meme, which is funny, but it's the log truck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. But there are the memes now where it'll be like a log truck at a red light and then like 80 cars on the other lane. It's like all these people see that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do it, man. I don't like it behind them. The no. premise... I always think of that movie when I see a log truck like that. Yeah. yeah. The premise is that like they get off an airplane, the airplane, or like they, they don't get on an airplane. They, it's The main character has a vision, basically. A dream of the plane blowing up. It's the plot of the first one. Yeah. And then freaks and out the and says we have to. Third one and fourth yeah. One and yeah. There's, there's some main character. They cheat, they cheat death. Death is after them. Yeah. Okay. Basically, to come to claim what's his or yeah. hers, I guess. Some of them are silly. Like the person's gonna be saying, "Like I'll see you in a second, and then like a bus just goes. Mmm. That's a bus. They're dead. Yeah. And some of them they are like incredibly like elaborate. Glass pane. You remember that one? Yeah. That one's super rough. I it, feel like death should have been like, yeah, you know what? I as something. I went with something cliched like an airplane blowing up. So you know what? You're off the hook. You should be off the hook. Well, it leads to a really funny moment in the first one when the main character... Is it Devin Sawa? Who yeah, played? yeah. Okay. he's Sawa. Uh, so he's like the main character. He figures out that like death's coming for him, so he like goes and stays in this cabin in the woods, and he's just like constantly watching things around him. <laughs> it's really good. The soup can rolls out, like opens up this closet, and a fishing pole comes out, but he's ready for it. I don't know. It's, it, the first one's really amusing. It's, it's clever. All the iterations afterwards are just like, okay, I know what you're doing, so it's not as fun. Yep. I just felt like it needed to be stated here if we're talking about yeah, I agree. movie deaths. Yeah. Is it my turn? Chris. I'm going to go. And I'm going to take my video game entry. Mm. Uh, and I think that... Mm, this is probably hyperbole, but I think that it is the most important death of a main character in a video game. In video game history. And it is the death of Aerith in Final Fantasy VII. Um... I will explain it because I know you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. But nope. you, you, I know that game gets talked about a lot. So <laughs> that's the good one. Yeah, the that, real good. One. That's the good one. So it is. So she's the main love interest of the main character of the game. She is the flower girl who you run into in the slums in the beginning, who you kind of develop this bond with, and she also happens to be the person who is the foil to the. Big Bad, who is Sephiroth, a name that I know you've heard. Dude with the big long sword and this long silver hair. Um, but at the end of the first disc, because it was a three-disc game, so it's easy to say first act, uh, she is going to basically use her magic to stop him from using his magic. His magic will bring about the end of the world, and hers will save it. And in the moment where she's like about to use it, he like jumps down from unseen locations and basically stabs her, like runs her straight through with his sword. Um, and there is like, there's a long funeral scene. There's like, there are endless, endless theories about like how do you bring this character back? And the point of it was just you know, you didn't kill main playable characters in games, right? Because when you died in a fight, you just like okay, well I'll reload my save. This is ninety eight, ninety seven, I think was ninety seven. Um, so. There was no going back. There was no resurrecting her. There was no more story. This was, oh, comically large sword on Sephiroth. Um, <laughs> but it was, was also the first game to really use, like, full motion video 
in like non-playable cutscenes. Not the first game, but definitely the first of the Final Fantasy series. And so you get this kind of big operatic climax moment where she's doing the save the world bit and he comes out and uses, you know, kills her. And then catapults kind of the rest of the events of the game where he summons the meteor, which basically looms in the sky, uh, like Majora's Mask style, like threatening to destroy planet. Um, and, uh, you know, she was the only one who could have stopped him. So now they have to basically like divert and try and defeat him in another way. Um, huh. Yeah, so very so, very shocking. Yeah, and the the difference of like these kind of games is with an RPG you spend a lot of time with a character like that. Like you've built them up with oh, hours sure. and hours and hours. You know, trying to get them good. She's famously like a healer, so she's kind of weak on her own. So you got to spend a lot of time with her to make her strong, and then she's just gone for good. Yeah, and then the the game. So like everyone can use like different types of magic, but if you think about traditional RPG elements. Damage to their tank healer. She's the only healer in the game, and she dies after the first third, and she's gone. And other people can heal, but it's like that's that archetype that they just were like, well, why? Like, obviously, the main villain in the game would eliminate her, right? And so, like, you, like, it's it's a really impact. I mean, there's like like a whole funeral scene where then the main character Cloud like takes her into a lake and like lays her to rest. And, like, you don't get fucking funerals in video games, like, at that time. Some of the best music in any video game, too. Yeah. Piano music to go full sweeping orchestral um, take on the main theme. It's pretty good. Yeah. Is it, uh, it sounds like that's a more effective funeral scene than the Call of Duty... Press F press, to pay respects. <laughs> yeah, press, press X if you want to pay respects. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite meme now, though, just because of the <laughs> shitty writing in there where, like, They'll announce like something stupid that got canceled, and then in Reddit, all the comments will just be F. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sephiroth, did you know? Do you know who provides his voice in Kingdom Hearts? Jim Cummings. No. No. Fuck. Who is it? I knew this at one point. It is notable enough for me to be to notice this. It's interesting because it is a different voice actor because it's technically a different character. Because it's it's made that that person you fight in Kingdom Hearts is the memory of Sephiroth from Cloud's head where you're fighting, but irrelevant. The, the answer is Lance Bass. Okay, uh, nice. Nice. Um, this is a comically large sword on Sephiroth. Oh, look at Cloud Sword. Cloud Sword is comically large because it's super girthy. <laughs> like you look at that sword and you go, no one can wield that. <laughs> the Buster Sword is comic. It's like it doesn't make sense. How do how do people travel in Final Fantasy VII? Walk, okay, because that's all you can do with these swords. Yeah, it's some, like you can't get on a bus. Some, can't, can't check that. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes they ride giant chicken horses called chocobos. Oh right, um, a chocobo. I, like I feel like there are though. airships, but just the presence of those swords would be very dangerous. <laughs> to giant inflatable. Yeah, thanks, Nine Eleven. <laughs> Anyway, Final Fantasy VII, Death of Aerith. I forgot all about my love. Despite orders not to. Um, <laughs> is that everybody's number two? No. no TJ, go. you're number two. I got a... Uh, you're number two. You're number two. <laughs> I went with a, a slasher death, too, uh, in, in Davidson. I feel like I had to fill that kind of void. Those movies just, in general, make... Uh, for entertaining deaths, and I picked the uh, first ever on-screen kill uh, in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which mm. is the character of Tina Gray, 
who is one of the four kids that are the main characters there. Uh, they all die except for Nancy, the final girl in the franchise. But um, uh, a lot of this, too, is for knowing the production of how they filmed it is really interesting. But uh, she essentially is is awake at a cabin, you think, walking around, and she bumps into Freddy Krueger, who does the like super long arm thing in the shadows. <laughs> yeah. It's real effective. Uh, chases her around, and then it cuts, and you don't know why, but you see her like caught under the sheets in her bed with her boyfriend, freaking the fuck out. And then it'll cut to her boyfriend, like, trying to get out of bed and figure out what's going on. And then cut back under the sheets, and Freddy Krueger's, like, under the bed with her, like, stabbing her and getting her. And then, uh, the boyfriend gets out. You see her, like, slowly ascend sideways up a wall, like, back on the wall. And then over to the ceiling and just, like, thrashing in pain. And then, like, intercut with scenes of Freddy Krueger being there, stabbing her with his, his knife fingers. And, uh, finally she... Falls and blood splatters all over the place and, and all over her boyfriend. Uh, a really effective first scene and a really good, I think, franchise, a slasher franchise. But what's cool is how they filmed it and uh, were super brutal with the filming in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, fucked up the kids pretty bad. Like, she got pretty bad injuries because she slammed up on the wall, on the ceiling, when she's ascending the wall. And the way they did that was built a room and just as quickly as they could turned to the whole set 90 degrees, so she just fell <laughs> and hit the floor, which was filmed as a ceiling as they had the camera mounted, which is super interesting. Um, that That's why there aren't like famous people in those movies in the 80s, because so like, they, fuck movies. they beat the shit out of them when they <laughs> killed them. Yeah. The most disturbing part, that I almost had that in mind, too. The most disturbing part of that is like the boyfriend looking on, and she's like reaching out, like, help me, and he like, can't do anything, because it's like this invisible force to him. Yeah. And she's like on this ceiling, just like reaching out, and just being, just murdered. Murdered. Hard. But, yeah, that's my, my slasher pick. Cool choice. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, David's uh, idea for the... For the yeah. To the topic, so I want to save David for last. So let's start with Chris for number one. Cool. So, I, you know, I am bad at like putting things in order, so I didn't really have this. So at my like last choice, I have like a couple that I want to pick from, uh, but I think I'm going to pick the one that is like another one that just kind of sticks with me and is super important. And you get there after like three and a half hours of movie, um, but it is the death of William Wallace at the end of Braveheart. Mm. <laughs> It's like, it's so many parts of what I think we all picked here. Is It's like a really gruesome death as he's tortured and disemboweled. Um, it's a really emotional death as he like, you know, kind of in his final moments sees the love of his life who was murdered by the king, uh, you know, walking in the crowd. Um, and it's also just like really kind of touching moment as he, in his final breath with his last word, when, he, when asked to confess, he just screams out freedom. Um, but all of that aside, it's just like, it's so well shot and like peak Mel Gibson, just like a beautiful man. There's like bright green eyes, uh, being the embodiment of, you know, the, the resistance in Scotland. It's just such a cool scene and so, um, emotionally well paid off, um, that it's something that I'll think about forever. And, you know, back to the original prompt, not the original prompt, but the goofy, why we're talking about our mom prompt, it's, you know, her favorite movie. So. The, uh, uh, I've seen it a lot at this point. Talking to Kelly some last night about this, uh, the audio throughout all that is Oof. so bad. So it's gracious. Yeah. yeah. 
bones cracking as he's being quartered and like yeah I was talking to, to Chris I was saying I think I've watched the movie eight or nine times probably but I've only seen the ending once because I'll just stop it before he gets there yeah. like, I don't need to see that again just the the most heebie-jeebies yeah but kind of does does everything that I would want in a character death you know even even to the point of like the, there's like some catharsis there because he's been a prisoner and this is his his ultimate sacrifice his martyrdom and it's so worth it um, for uh, the people who are fighting behind him. Yeah. <coughs> so. It's really good. TJ, number one. I wanted to get a, a hero death in there, and not necessarily a self-sacrifice, although this does fit in there, uh, but not a sad hero death. Kind of like a fist pump, like, yeah, hero death. Uh, so I went with a Quentin Tarantino movie and uh, the death of uh, Dr. King Schultz after killing Calvin Candy is one of my favorite scenes in that movie, which is not super high on my um, Tarantino rankings me and Brent did a few weeks ago. Check but, out that uh, podcast. Yeah, check yeah. out that podcast. But um, it's... Django Unchained. Django right. Unchained, yeah. yeah. What'd I say? Nothing. No, good. <laughs> uh, Brent caught me on it before. You, <laughs> You've been staring for several minutes in silence. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> uh... Yeah, it's it's a lot of this too is based on the Christoph Waltz acting right before he shoots Calvin. So great, uh, where he looks back at at Django and it's just like he's like, "Sorry, yeah, I can't let this fucker keep living." <laughs> like I know what it means for me and you and all everything. Why we're here, Hilda. Yeah, but yeah. this dude's a fucking prick. <laughs> uh, and also, I think it's some of the best acting that Leonardo DiCaprio has done mm. in his catalog. Yeah, a great fucking villain. Uh, Sam Jackson's also amazing in that scene. It's just chock full of like talent at their peak. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the yeah sorry line from Christoph Waltz is fucking great. It just walks up to him and doesn't even like flinch, blows away Calvin Candy, and then just kind of accepts his death mm. immediately after that. But you can tell in his eyes, he's just like worth it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't not. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. They were so close to getting out. All he had to do was shake his hand. Yeah. And he's just like, no, this fucker has to die. <laughs> like, right now. Um, so, yeah, really good. Uh, my number one is just one that uh, I loved since I was a kid. And it was uh, similar. It's a uh, self-sacrifice. This one is to help others get away, though. And uh, it's got a great line that comes with it, which is, uh, if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly mm-hmm. imagine. Which is the death of Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars favorite movie as a kid and uh i just love that uh it kind of showed me how cool the jedi could be in those movies which was like oh man they figured out something like he knows he knows more than the bad guy like that's the best feeling too yeah when like the hero knows more than the villain and uh it's like he i don't know what he means i don't know what this how this is gonna play out but he knows that he's somehow more powerful in death than he is in life and uh, plus, because he he was kind of realizing he was kind of feeble and old at that mm-hmm. point, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm probably more helpful dead than I am alive." Yeah. And then you get the answer a few minutes later when he's just like in the when his voice is his disembodied voice is in the cockpit with Luke. And he's just like, "Trust your feelings," and Luke's just like, nah, "I'd rather trust the computer." And he's <laughs> like, "Trust your feet. Why don't you fire now?" And uh, and Luke blows up the Death Star. <laughs> now would be a good time. 
and, and other iconic lines paraphrased by Brent, including, don't get that phone. <laughs> don't get that phone. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Obi-Wan, first Star Wars. Jedi are cool. I love Star Wars. David, your turn. <laughs> um... I think I'm going to undo all those serious number ones. <laughs> I'm going to end with a fart here. <laughs> but it's the first, uh, the first thing I thought of here. And I really challenge the rules here, but it passes both. Um, we'll see about that. <laughs> we'll be the... No. I almost went with the death in a uh, really bad movie, Shoot 'em Up. With the guy, when he, Clive Owen kills the guy with the carrot and says, Eat your vegetables. <laughs> but that person is not named. Instead... Uh, we're in a hockey game. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins are playing. <laughs> terrorists have broken in to kidnap the vice president's daughter. Oh, and God. A terrorist is in the uh, Pittsburgh Penguin costume. This is not Threat Level Midnight. It's what they probably made fun of when they made Threat Level Midnight. Yeah. So there's a terrorist in the Pittsburgh Penguin costume. It's kind of the basis for the Family Guy chicken fight. That's pretty much fu- punch for punch <laughs> okay. from this movie. The movie is Sudden Death. <laughs> and it does come suddenly. Um, in particular, our hero, Jean-Claude Van Damme, as Darren McCord, is trying to talk to the uh, staff at this place. He's in a kitchen and trying to say, like, we're trying to find these. this terrorist was in this penguin costume. And the guy said, yeah, we got to find Carla. And then he does like that, like, Ooh. And he's like, you didn't mention her your name. Or her name, did you? I gave too much information, didn't I? This guy's a terrorist, too. <laughs> so they fight in the kitchen, and they use all the greatest parts of the kitchen. They got knives. He holds his face up against a grill, like a little uh, little uh, range grill, and kind of sizzles his face. But the best part is he's got the knife back at Jean-Claude Van Damme's throat. And what's beside Jean-Claude Van Damme but a chicken bone? <laughs> So he takes chicken bone, breaks it in half, and stabs him in the throat with a chicken bone. Death by chicken bone. First one I can ever think of. I don't think ever done since. The guy he kills, his name is Briggs. He's gonna hang. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought of is like a, a you know a movie death that has stuck with me just because of how ludicrous it was. But right. All these other ones, like there will be blood, whatever. Number one is sudden death. <laughs> it's just stayed with me. It's just like the most amusing, like villain death of a side villain. I was so close to including. I watched Time Cop last night. I was so close to including because it like the like sudden death, Time Cop, like all these movies existed in an age where you know Hot Fuzz makes fun of it, where your action star gets a one liner before they kill someone. And Time Cop subverts that by there's a guy that he kind of, you know, they're shooting in this, like, weird warehouse where they're making fire and ice. I don't know what they're <laughs> making. But they shoot it like a pipe and, like, liquid nitrogen's coming out. And so, like, a guy falls into it and he's got a frozen arm. So Jean-Claude Van Damme executes a signature kick and, like, shatters his arm and he falls and dies. But before it, he says something, like, stupid. Something, like, throwaway. And then the next person he fights who, like, saw that happen, he goes, I should have said freeze. <laughs> it's just like so dumb, but I appreciate because of that that sudden death, which is a movie that I'm not confident that most people have seen. Well, now they'll go see it. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, anybody have any like honorable mentions that you just couldn't quite work in? I had a couple other Tarantinos, but you guys kind of talked a lot about these. I like the the Oren Ishii death. Um, it's very quick. It's really good. Um, also, Tarantino Hitler dying. Just talk about satisfying deaths. I mean, just machine gunning until he's pudding, essentially. Yeah. 
Uh, that was really good. One that almost made my comedic death uh, list was uh, Bill Murray as Bill Murray in Zombieland. Yeah. Was way up there for me. There is a Tarantino death from Once Upon a Time that's really good, but I did not want to mention that because it's not not like a huge character death, but the manner of death is is surprising and fun. So I didn't want to throw that one out there. I had I had one as, I think, like our biggest Doctor Who stand that I was kind of conflicted on whether it counts, because the Doctor doesn't really die, um, but the Tenth Doctor's end and then, you know, uh, reincarnation is really kind of an emotional uh, point where they wrap up a lot of plot lines, but I don't think he actually dies, so that doesn't count. Um, in in two ways he doesn't really die, because he also exists in another, like, plane... <coughs> And then he gets reincarnated as the other doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I was also going to bring up uh, the iconic death of Gomer Pyle. I thought that that was kind of in the vein of like the Daniel Plainview. It's just like this is such an unnecessary death. Um, this character committing suicide in this in Full Metal Jacket. Also, just worth it just for the meme is the terrible three-hour movie Meet Joe Black. <laughs> yeah, I, but he doesn't fit. I had him in mind, and I, I realized as named. we were sitting there that he's not named. But it's one of my favorite on-screen deaths, for yeah. sure. It's the meet cute of him and Claire Forlani before his body's taken over by death. Mm-hmm. It's like they keep looking back at each other. <laughs> this scene's like five minutes long of them just like, I'm going to look back and see if you're looking back. You're not looking back. They keep walking and vice versa. Yeah. And then he gets hit by about 17 cars in a row. <laughs> <laughs> he gets hit, launched, hit by that car, hit by a car, like... Multi-ball <laughs> combo run. Yeah, another one that I had in the comedic list that didn't make it was uh, Vizzini's death in Princess Bride. Uh, I watched that this morning and it was still real funny where he logics himself to death. Inconceivable. Really Inconceivable. I, uh, for villains, I almost went with Jaws from Jaws because smile you son of a bitch and then his head gets blown off it's mm-hmm. kind of a great ending god those the one-liners before deaths in movies are so great like yeah. that i think mean, that's the only reason not the only reason that's the main reason why that death in alien sticks out yeah get away from her you bitch uh and then i really wanted to, uh, i just I, I i love that i'm gonna get you suck at scene so much but uh for my comic death i almost picked the vanisher from deadpool 2 it's really good. <laughs> nice because it's just so out of nowhere and the, they set it up with the the uh, the whole team. Yeah, but they also set up the, the Brad Pitt joke ahead of time. And mm. God, yeah, it's so great. I also like uh, the other guys. Oh my God! Oh yeah! I just, oh my I just God! I forgot about, about, about them. I might have added it, but I, I just so thought good. about that one. It's so good the way the movie leads you to leads you to enjoy that or yeah. kind of you know zags with you <laughs> so slow though. especially the conversation they have about it it's like where were they trying to jump to <laughs> yeah hmm. yeah <laughs> not have a good plan yeah one of my favorites from a bad movie that I got getting on here because it's just a, such a horrible movie but it's uh, this character's name I looked up is Russell Franklin but it's Samuel L. Jackson's character in Deep Blue Sea yes yeah it's so out of nowhere yeah just like well, it's not so out of nowhere, but it is immediately relevant because the I've watched a lot of these movies recently. I've had a lot of time on my hands. But he is in the middle of saying, and then the next thing we need to do is seal up this. And he's talking about the hole that the shark eats him from right as he gets eaten by the shark from the hole. The goes, yep. yep. <laughs> I almost mentioned uh, Executive Decision. You ever seen that movie? 
I have, but that movie. So that's just uh, that was more related to like a surprising death uh, based on how that movie was marketed. So that movie is just it's like Steven Seagal and uh, what's his name, Kurt Douglas, Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell, not Kurt Douglas. <laughs> That'd be better. Yeah, Kurt Russell. In uh, executive decision, it's in the the trailers focus very heavily on the both of them. And then, uh, it's like 20 minutes into the movie, uh, they're boarding the aircraft where they're trying to go, uh, I think it's a hijacked air- mm-hmm. aircraft, and they're trying to, uh, get on board to stop it, and Steven Seagal just doesn't make it on the plane. He's in, like, this little <laughs> tunnel, this little, uh, tunnel they've made to try to get onto the airplane, and, uh, the tunnel just, the, the airplane hits turbulence, and the tunnel just collapses, and Steven Seagal just flies off into the air and dies. <laughs> it's like... I thought this was a Steven Seagal movie, <laughs> and it's not going to be. Can't talk about airplanes without saying honorable mention goes to Harrison Ford in Air Force One, but that's probably an unnamed character who he goes, get off my plane. No, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the main bad guy. Yeah. Main, main bad yes. guy. Yeah. yeah, they knew what they had with that line. Yeah. <laughs> they like, saved this one for Gary Old. Yeah. The good one, Hans Gruber dying too. The slow that's, that was on my, off on my of short Tommy list. Tower. Yeah. All of the snakes and snakes on a plane. <laughs> I'm just thinking of plane kills now. <laughs> Plane kills. You got Russell Cass, Independence Day, the best plane. I kill. thought when you when the first person you talked about self sacrifice, I thought that's what people were going to mention. Yeah. What does he say? What's the one liner before that? I'm back. Hello, I'm back. boys. Yeah. I'm back. So I, I just want to do another one of these, but the best lines before someone is killed or dies. It's a good one. Yeah. I'm just picking nothing but Mr. Freeze one-liners from <laughs> Batman and Robin. Ice to see you. One of them is just him going, <laughs> hey, chill. <laughs> I really, when David said this immediately, I was like, oh, I really want to pick Dolores Umbridge, even though she doesn't probably even die. <laughs> but I just like to picture her getting like, oh, she does die. Does she? I yeah, know. it's yeah. Not I think she's oh, not. I was thinking definitely of, not on screen. I was thinking of Bellatrix. Bellatrix has uh, the best death in that whole series. Uh, Mama Weasley. Yeah, yeah. Also called a bitch, I believe, yeah. right before she dies. Yeah. Stay away from my daughter. You bitch. You yeah. bitch. It's yeah. actually the same line. And then she kicks her out of an airlock. <laughs> <laughs> and Steven Seagal's falling with her. Mrs. Like, Weasley and the power loader was <laughs> along the budget of the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen the like Harry Potter shit going around where like Harry Potter's a horrible wizard? You ever seen that? No. Where it's like he learned one spell really well, and then it's like dialogue in like Hogwarts, like all the famous people talking. Like, wait, is he really good? It's like, well, he can just like make anybody's make them drop their wand. He's really good at that. And they were like, oh no, magic's broken. <laughs> all you need to do is learn that one spell, and you're the greatest wizard of all time. It's like, drop your wand, drop your wand. Now you're useless. We should probably end this. Yeah, uh, we are getting back on schedule, maybe, for a, a few weeks anyway before life gets crazy again. So if you want to watch the homework that was assigned a month ago and you forgot what it is, because I did last week for a little while, it's Synecdoche, New York, the Charlie Kaufman movie starring mm-hmm. Philip Zimmer Hoffman, streaming on Netflix yeah, and Netflix. Crackle. If you don't have Netflix, <laughs> you can sign up for Crackle for free and, and you, watch it. And you love really loud ads. <laughs> yeah. But, um... I think that's it. All right, cool. Well, this was Talking Talk, podcast for the media by us. You can check out our website, themediabyus.com. You can check out our Facebook groups, TV by us, movies by us, games by us. Those are three different groups, not one group. And uh, we would like to hear from you if you have any podcast suggestions, ideas, feedback. 
uh, ratings of a five-star variety. I do want to give a quick shout-out. This original uh, prompt was uh, John. Uh, he said this uh, a while ago. Favorite. Oh, on I think Facebook. he said favorite John. villain deaths. Yeah. We won't do Talking last about names, death but... scenes, but... Uh, appreciate the, uh, yeah, you guys say it and we do it like two years later. <laughs> yeah, we'll do better next time if you just give us something to say. Yeah. We do have a hopper that's got a bunch of them when we need uh, kind of nice. need, need to get some inspiration. So, appreciate it, John. Thanks, John. And thanks, while we're thanking, let's thank uh, the Willow Walkers for our intro music. Thanks. <laughs> and thanks, Boo Reefa, for our outro. And that's it. Goodbye. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes long time ago Kicking out records of all the things